0: Hello, and welcome to the Paranormal or What Podcast with me, your host, Michaela Ford. How's your week been? I hope it's been really good. Mine has been a little bit tiring. At my school, we've got several teachers off with the plague at the moment and lots and lots of children, so it's been a little bit uh, difficult. So it's absolutely fabulous to come and spend some chilled-out spooky time with my paranormal family. Last weekend, I went out with my paranormal group SPS, Sussex Paranormal Society, and we did an overnight investigation at a place called Waverley Abbey in Farnham, and we got quite a few results. It was very spooky, very cold, and very dark. So, if you're interested in having a look at what we found out and the photographs we took, have a look at the SPS Facebook page. So, let's have a look at what's been going on in the paranormal world in the last week. This episode, we have tales of the West Horton poltergeist, a little-known poltergeist in the north of England. We have tales of La Yorona, the weeping woman, and we also have some tales from Redditors about La Llorona, and a story from a man called Dale in Washington State who claims to have seen Bigfoot no less than 12 times. So, settle down, get into that comfy chair, get yourself a tot of something fiery, and get ready for your spooky fest this Thursday. Are you ready? Here we go. You've heard of the Enfield and Battersea poltergeists. You may have heard of 30 East Drive Pontefract. But have you heard of Wingate's Grove, West houghton This is the most recent in terrifying poltergeist stories to hit the UK. In fact, the Manchester Evening News headline just this last week read, The Greater Manchester Street, so haunted you had to sign a waiver to move there. So, what's it all about? Paige Oldfield reports. Malevolent spirits were said to haunt Wingate's Grove for years, forcing a local church to get involved and perform an exorcism. On the outskirts of Bolton lies a street with a dark secret. Wingate's Grove in West Horton was said to be haunted by a poltergeist throughout the 1990s, terrifying all of those who lived there. The malevolent spirit was said to have attached itself to a row of council houses and tormented families for years. The hauntings reputedly became so frightening Bolton Council was forced to intervene, but staff couldn't find a rational explanation for what was going on. At one stage an exorcism was carried out and all paranormal activity on the street is now thought to have ceased. Even so, Years after the last ghostly goings-on, one resident still made, was still made to sign a disclaimer form before moving into her home. It all started in 1993, when one family started experiencing bizarre activity. It was said that their toddler would talk to a little man in his room, and an oil-type substance would run down the walls. The incidents reportedly baffled maintenance workers who could not determine the cause of the issues. The family eventually contacted a local church and an exorcism was carried out at the address. Following the ritual, the street fell quiet. But, just five years later in 1999, a flurry of supernatural activity would begin again. Just two doors down from the original haunted house, a family started experiencing strange disturbances. They had not long moved into the address when the unexplained activity began. Laura was 12 years old when she moved into the property. The now 34-year-old said she knew something was wrong with the home as soon as the family arrived. Speaking to the Manchester Evening News, she said, I begged my mum not to move in. I didn't like the feel of it. I didn't feel comfortable, but when we got our stuff in, it faded a bit. When things started happening, my mum would say it was the ghost of my grandad, but I said it wasn't. I just knew there was something there. It felt like I was walking into someone's personal space. I didn't want to walk through the door. Laura remembers the first supernatural occurrence like it was yesterday. She was with her older brother and a friend when the incident happened. The siblings decided to play a prank on their pal, who was sleeping in the living room. As they ran back upstairs, her brother let out a blood-curdling scream. He'd cut his foot open on a picture frame that was standing on the staircase. It had been hanging on the wall just moments before and had not fallen down. We'd literally just walked on the stairs and it fell. It wouldn't stand up. "'Laura continued. "'If he stood on it, it would have slipped. "'It was like a force was holding it in place.' "'That was one of the first scary things that happened.' "'Laura also recalls the time her brother's girlfriend came round to stay. "'She woke in the middle of the night to find her standing in the room, "'staring at her as she slept. "'Laura ignored her and went back to sleep. "'The following morning she told her mother about the strange occurrence.' Thinking nothing of it, Laura returned to her bedroom, but her mother called her downstairs just twenty minutes later, where she found her brother's girlfriend looking at her weirdly. "'She said I did the exact same thing to her,' she continued, "'but we got up at different times.' Strange activity wouldn't just occur inside the home. Dozens of dead crows were once found scattered around the front and back garden, including along the ginnel at the side of the property. Laura said the sight traumatised her so badly she blocked it out of her mind. And then there was the baby oil type substance, similar to that found in the original haunted house. Laura remembers it dripping down her bedroom walls, causing her posters to fall down. A foul sulphur smell likened to rotting eggs would also fill the property. Laura says some council maintenance workers even refused to visit the address due to its reputation. "'My nephew used to speak to someone and called them Big Guy,' she continued. "'He would sit there in the corner of the room, babbling away. "'When asked who he was talking to, he would say, Big Guy. "'He kept doing it in the same place and would point right up to the corner.' Laura also recalls the time she heard an entity imitate her brother. She was at home with a friend waiting for her sibling to return from work. They were ready to watch a new episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, a show her brother didn't want to miss out on. She heard the kitchen door open, a set of keys placed on the hook and footsteps into the house. When her brother still hadn't come upstairs twenty minutes later, she thought he may have been making food. But suddenly her brother walked through the door. Laura said, "'As I got to the top of the stairs, I saw him. "'I asked him if he'd just gone back out. "'He said he'd literally just got home and his taxi was driving off. "'I ran downstairs and said someone was in the house, "'but no one was in the kitchen and the keys were still in the door. "'We heard it. It was really clear. "'We knew the sound of it. "'Laura eventually moved out of the home when she was sixteen years old.' "'and although she hasn't experienced anything paranormal since, "'what occurred on Wingate's Grove continues to haunt her to this day. "'I don't watch any scary films or anything to do with ghosts,' Laura added. "'I've suffered with anxiety since, "'to the point where the whole thing about the street is on my doctor's note. "'The last five months we lived there, "'I slept in a bed with my mum and dad because I was that scared. "'That's when things really got bad.' I kept seeing people stood at the door. I fell asleep facing my wall because I was terrified of turning over. If I needed to go to the toilet in the night, I would hold it in. These days, there are no reports of ghostly activity on the street. Karen Walton, who now lives in Laura's childhood home, says she has no problem with the property's history and actually enjoys its quirky past. She purchased the home in 2006 and says she had to sign a disclaimer before she moved into the address. It specified that she was not allowed to use a Ouija board or perform any other type of black magic at the address, she says. She was also told she was not allowed to move into the home if she had young children. She told the Manchester Evening News. I understand that there was something going on there, she said. It used to jump from there to the house next door, to here. I had to sign a disclaimer, saying I wouldn't use a Ouija board or do black magic or anything dark. They wanted me to sign a slip of paper. I quite liked it. I've heard tales that there's meant to be an old man walking around on the landing, but we're quite happy here. I think it's quite novel. I quite like it. It's a selling point for me. Karen hasn't experienced any supernatural activity since moving into the address. They wanted someone to move here who didn't have very young children. I've had no issues. I thought it was quite quirky. A lot of council workers wouldn't come here. I've not felt anything since I lived here. I've had pets like dogs and they've never been freaked out. I'm open to it. I'm not a disbeliever. I'll believe it when I see it. When I read about this case, I was intrigued, so I decided to do a little bit of further research, and I came across this website called manchestersfinest.com, and it has a possible explanation for the events. It reads, Could there be an explanation for the disturbances, or could it be a spirit? West Horton actually has a rather long history, with a settlement being here since the 11th century and the area being home to some pretty gruesome events over the years. Back in 1315, a group of men met here to start a rebellion against the powerful Earl of Lancaster in what came to be known as the Banastra Rebellion. And there's an old graveyard nearby that contains victims of the 1910 Pretoria Pit Disaster, a mining explosion that claimed the lives of 344 men and boys. There are also reports of the activity being caused by someone performing an Ouija board sitting sometime in the early 1990s. It's also interesting to note that in recent years, scientists have discovered that having black mould in your house can cause people to have terrifying hallucinations of ghosts and demons caused by spores spreading like a virus and causing a psychedelic effect. This solution would fit in with claims of dampness in the houses, of problems with plumbing and heating systems, and that strange oil dripping off the ceiling. So, was this all caused by microscopic spores? He thinks it probably is, but what do you think? I think there are things that are too similar to the other famous poltergeist hauntings to just write it off like that. If any of you find anything else about the West Haunton um, poltergeist haunting, please do email me at paranormalorwhatpodcast@outlook.com and I'll read out your findings. So, get researching. Here's an eerie episode that happened at a burial service last year with the resultant video going viral and being reported on worldwide newspapers and websites. Um, The New York Times had a heading which said Eerie video shows moment corpse waves during burial service. Bone-chilling footage from a funeral shows a corpse in Indonesia appear to wave from the casket to mourners, sparking fears the person was mistakenly buried alive, according to a report. The eerie moment was caught on camera on May 5th, as the family gathered to say a final farewell to their loved one in the city of Manado. Footage shows what appears to be a hand moving under the coffin's glass panel as a priest reads prayers during the service. God has said in the book of John, I am the resurrection and the life, whoever believes in me, he will live even though he is dead, the priest said. It was then that was what to believe to be the deceased person's hand appears to wave or touch the lid of the coffin, the outlet reported. No one noticed the purported incident at the time, but others pointed it out when the clip was shared on social media, according to the report. Yes, he waved. Maybe he was still alive and trying to dig his way out, one person reportedly wrote. Experts debunked the theory that the corpse was still kicking, saying simple rigor mortis was to blame, according to the report. The condition in which the body stiffens during later stages of decomposition can cause the corpse to move, researchers from Central Queensland University in Australia said, the outlet reported. Well, I don't know about you folks, but I think that would really, really freak me out and I'd be opening up that coffin just to check. Although, as they said, the onlookers didn't notice at the time. I wonder if anybody's been back to check since. Ooh, scary. The Curse of La Llorona, the real legend behind the films. Generations of Mexican children have grown up afraid of La Llorona, a wailing woman whose misdeeds in life have left her spirit trapped on earth where she torments little children. She's the stuff of legend, a myth and spooky bedtime story whose origins date back hundreds of years. Long ago, the story goes, a woman named Maria married a rich man with whom she eventually had two children. Then their marriage hit a rough patch. Her husband spent less and less time at home, and whenever he was home, he paid attention only to the children. Eventually, she saw him with another woman. Enraged beyond reason, some versions claim Maria drowned her two children, but she immediately regretted it, trying to rescue them and crying out, "I, Miss hijos!" Translation: Oh my children or oh my sons. Maria is sometimes said to have drowned herself afterwards but when she arrived at heaven's gates she was denied entry, banished back to purgatory on earth until she could find her lost children. She's now known as La Llorona which translates to the weeping woman. Now, the legend says, she floats over and near bodies of water in her white funereal gown, forever weeping as she searches for her lost children. Some versions of the story say she kidnaps or attacks children. Others say she attacks cheated husbands. Regardless, when you hear her cries, the message remains the same. Run away. Whenever I've heard of stories of La Llorona or seen them on the television I've been absolutely captivated in fact there was one that I saw recently on the television program Paranormal Caught on Camera which I'm going to read out to you in a minute and I wish I could play the noises for you the the noises of the screaming woman are absolutely bone chilling I'll find out which episode of paranormal caught on camera it was and you should look it up and have a look now let's listen to some people's experiences of actually meeting or seeing la llorona for themselves One story of La Llorona originates right outside of San Antonio, where there's an aptly named Hollering Woman Creek. Legend has it that a pioneer family living near its banks was attacked by Indians. After seeing her husband killed brutally, a mother drowns her children in the creek to save them from a still more painful fate. When the attackers find the only surviving member of the family, she frightens them off with her maddened screaming. From then on, she wanders the creek banks, sobbing and crying for her lost children, a woman hollering, and they say her spirit still returns to search for them, according to website My Essay. La Llorona is said to haunt many locations throughout Texas, as well as the American Southwest. It is thought that she steals the soul of living children, and she's often invoked by Mexican mothers to frighten naughty children. Legend has it that if you see La Llorona, you or someone close to you will die within a week. The origin of the story is unknown, but it is thought to date back to Aztec times. So now I'm going to tell you some true stories about people who claim that they've seen La Llorona the first one goes like this. So this is one of the many stories my mother has passed down to my siblings and I when we were very young. I'm going to say I was about nine to ten years old and they took place in Central America. El Salvador to be precise. My grandma one day was supposed to meet up with a friend to go to another friend's wake. Back then people would stay all night mourning at the wake with the deceased. My grandma was waiting for her friend, where they had agreed to meet, which happened to be near a little river or creek. She sees this woman from far away, all in white, and my grandma says it looked just like her friend. Her name was Mary, so she starts following this woman, calling out for her, thinking it's her friend. She followed her by the river and then kept calling out for her, but no answer. It starts getting creepy when this woman is going towards these trees away and away and my grandmother started catching up, but as she was getting closer to her, she started to feel what she says, her shoulders were big, her head felt big, and she couldn't move any more. She was close enough to see this woman's face that was covered by a veil, and she said the woman's face was a skull. My grandma somehow came out of her shock and ran and ran as fast as she could, she said she felt as if she was running slowly and wasn't getting away fast enough. These stories always gave me the chills, but have always been fascinating. She states it was the Lurona, L- or the Weeping Woman because she was walking by the river. They passed it and headed towards some trees. And that was from Redditor u slash dreams five six two. The next story goes like this. This happened to me when I was about 11 years old it was the 90s i have lived my whole life in el paso texas the culture is rich in folklore and religious beliefs many hispanic families have stories for the pan- of the paranormal one legend popular is the legend of the weeping woman or la llorona spanish for the weeping woman it's been part of hispanic culture in the southwest since the days of the conquistadors The tall, thin spirit is said to be blessed with natural beauty and long flowing black hair. Wearing a white gown, she roams the rivers and creeks, wailing into the night and searching for children to drag, screaming to a watery grave. No one really knows when the legend of La Llorona began, or from where it originated. Though the tales vary from source to source, the one common thread is that she is the spirit of a doomed mother who drowned her children and now spends eternity searching for them in rivers and lakes. One night was just like any other night. I lived in a trailer with my mum and dad. My youngest brother was staying with my aunt this night. I fell asleep watching Jay Lena as usual and when I woke up I was on the sofa in my living room. The time was 4 a.m., which illuminated from the stove in the kitchen. The television was off and normally I had a light on, but this time it was pitch black. I woke up and I heard a horrible screaming that was coming from far in the distance. The screaming was coming from a ditch that was a few feet away from my home. I heard it and I thought I was hearing things. I asked myself, am I dreaming? Then I started to hear the animals outside howling and whimpering, These animals that I speak of are cats and dogs. As the screaming got closer, the animals continued to cry. The screaming was something I've never experienced ever before. It sounded like I was in a big hallway and a woman was screaming her guts out down that hallway. Then, in all the screaming, I started to make out words. These words being said by whoever this was at 4am, screaming their guts out, shocked me. The woman said... Ay, Miss He-Horse. Oh, my children!' In a huge panic, I quickly got up from the sofa and ran to the kitchen, which was right next to where I sleep. I turned the closest light on and looked around. The screaming didn't stop. In fact, the screaming only got louder and closer. I questioned my sanity at that moment. Was I going crazy or hearing things? Then I thought to myself, "'This is real, and the animals are responding to it in a negative way.' So I did what any other eleven-year-old boy would do in a moment like this. I ran to my mum and dad's room. I reached for my mum and shook her awake wildly. She woke up slowly and to my amazement the screaming faded away as she woke awake. I thought to myself, what the heck is going on? I told my mother, mum, do you hear that screaming and crying lady? My mum was half asleep as she said, go back to sleep, it's most likely just your imagination.' I told her, no, this is real, please listen, don't you hear her? My mum quickly just said, you're dreaming, so go back to sleep, it's going to be okay. By then the screaming had faded long away like if whoever was screaming knew that an adult was awake. I was terrified as I returned to the living room and quickly turned on the television as I left most of the lights on as well. I didn't go back to sleep until the sun came up. I couldn't believe what I heard and witnessed. I was treated like a crazy person whenever I told my story. It got so bad that I kept my experience to myself. To this day, I don't care what people think of my experience. I know what I heard. A couple of years later, it happened again to me. And that's from u slash d junder d a w dog 85. Gosh, that absolutely sounds terrifying. I don't know what I would have done if I heard something like that at that age. And here's another story. My mother's family is Hispanic and we have wonderful family reunions every summer. One of these times, my cousin made a lovely trivia game that had several questions about my grandmother and her siblings. It was all very fun, and I enjoyed learning about my great-aunts and uncles, but one of the questions struck me as odd. When she was young, she had a pet chicken that would speak to her. I thought this was a little strange, but the game went on. My mother happened to be the one to answer that question, so I asked her about it later in the day. I asked about the chicken, and my mother told me that my great-aunt did indeed have a chicken that she would speak to, and it would speak to her. I laughed a bit about it, but I could tell that my mum was serious. My grandmother was sitting nearby and chimed in. She told me that my great-aunt had always been very sensitive to certain things. My grandmother never doubted that my aunt was talking to the chicken, but she was unsure who was talking to my aunt. At this point I was very intrigued and had a small case of the heebie-jeebies, then my grandmother told me a story that made my blood run cold in the middle of an outdoor July picnic. She asked me if I knew the legend of La Llorona. It was unfamiliar to me, so a tale was told. And then it goes on to mention the tale of La Llorona. Then the grandmother said that when they were children, they lived near water. "'Her aunt, who spoke to the children, was only an infant. "'Her great-grandmother had laid my aunt in her crib, "'which happened to be near a window that faced the water. "'After a little while, her aunt began to cry. "'The great-grandmother walked into the nursery and froze. "'A black figure was reaching through the window "'and reaching for the aunt. "'My great-grandmother, being a devout Catholic, "'began invoking the name of Christ.' The figure recoiled from my aunt and out of the window. My great-grandmother watched the entity walk along the wall and recede into the water. La Llorona had tried to take my aunt. And that was from Redditor I-M-Y-R-E-L-D eight years ago. Gosh, that sounds really terrifying. I can't believe that these legends actually managed to come real. Although there is a belief that if you enough people believe in something, they can actually will it into being. What do you think about that? So, the final story about La Llorona tonight. It was during the summer when my family decided that we should all take a trip to Mexico to visit family. I was about to join the Marine Corps, so my mother wanted for me to see to go see my family, just in case something bad were to happen. Hmm, That's nice. At the time, I was with my pregnant girlfriend, who would later become my wife, and then ex-wife. Since she was pregnant, I didn't want to leave her alone, so I bought her a ticket so she could come as well. Her being Caucasian with blonde hair and hazel eyes made everyone around my grandma's house curious, and a lot of our extended family came by to see the beautiful American girl. After greeting everyone, we all started to talk about what had been going on since we'd left. My girlfriend was sitting next to me, having me translate parts of the conversation. One of my aunts, who knew I was into the paranormal, brought up the subject of La Yorona. My mum quickly told my aunt to shut up, since she knew that it would get me both interested and scared regarding it but I was able to push my aunt to keep on going. I mean, I was going to be a marine after all, and I couldn't let a silly myth scare me. She proceeded to tell us about, however, whenever she would sleep over at my grandma's house at which we were currently at, she, if she stayed up late enough, she would be able to hear whales the whales of La Llorona. My mum rolled her eyes and jokingly pushed my aunt. The subject died from there since one of my other aunts started to talk about her son. Seeing how serious everyone had got for a brief moment, my girlfriend nudged me and asked what we were talking about. I told her the myth of the wailing woman. She, of course, laughed, not really buying any of my paranormal stories. That night, my parents decided that my girlfriend and I should stay at our old house where I had grown up since we were both adults and needed our own space. The house was currently being worked on, so the bedrooms had no doors or working lights. The only doors the house had were the ones that led into the outside. They were fairly new, but they were your standard metal flimsy doors that a kick or a punch could make it rattle throughout the house. Inside we had to use a candle and a flashlight for our light source. I remember we even used a bedsheet as a temporary door to give our room a little bit more privacy, even though it was only us two in the house. As the night went on, my girlfriend and I stayed up talking, and eventually we both fell asleep. I don't know what time exactly, but something woke me up. I don't have a cell phone, and my watch at the time was really cheap, so I wasn't able to tell what time it was. Looking down, I realised that my girlfriend had stolen the covers, so I slowly tried to steal some back. As I was debating on closing the window that was located right above our heads, I heard a long wail. It was a long, distorted wail. I could hear the old raspiness in her voice, like as if she had been yelling for such a long time that her throat was getting ready to give out. But what confused me was that her wail sounded as if it was being played through an old gramophone. I don't know if it was the scratchiness of her voice, or what exactly, but it sounded like an old creepy record player. "'playing over and over. "'She was wailing her trademark, "Ay, Miss Hijos, or Oh My Children. "'That wail was what made her infamous, "'not just in the paranormal community, "'but with most people living in the rural parts of Mexico. "'My girlfriend started to stir and woke up. "'I don't remember if I woke her up on purpose, "'but either way, it was a silly move of me to do, "'since she was... "'also going to get the, to hear the wails. "'I was both excited and scared at the same time. "'A cold chill travelling down my spine just reinforced my fear. "'The wails grew louder, making it seem as if she were slowly heading towards us. "'My girlfriend asked me with a half-smile, "'What the heck is that?' "'Thinking I'd ask my aunts to scare us. "'I just motioned for her to be quiet and listen,' Hearing my tone of voice, she knew that something was wrong. Another loud wail passed by, echoing inside the house. My girlfriend started shaking, terrified of what could be outside our house. I had my left arm under her head, and I could feel tears running down from her face to my arm. Each time the wail came, she would shake a little, and at the same time I would hold her close. The wails eventually came to a peak, where it sounded like— "'She was outside our window. "'Doing the only brave thing I knew, "'I pulled the covers over us "'and tried to remain as still as we could. "'The wails eventually faded out, "'and just as we thought that she'd gone, "'we heard two wild dogs viciously fighting "'and slamming against our outside door. "'My girlfriend had grown attached to this stray dog "'that used to walk around my grandma's farm, "'so while we were staying there "'he would always sleep on the outside door to wait for us, and greeters whenever we would come out. The dogs, or at least what we thought were dogs, fought for a good minute, slamming and against the door, snarling and barking at one another. Then as sudden as the fight started it stopped. We attempted to stay up for a while longer to see if we heard anything else, but eventually sleep took us over. The following morning we talked about what had happened, we walked outside to meet our stray dog, but he was gone. All that was left was stirred up dirt from the fight that had happened the night before. We never got to see that dog the rest of the trip. He would usually come around, but we just told ourselves that maybe he found a place with better owners who could feed him better. This all happened around 2008, and still today, whenever I pick up my daughter, I would ask my ex about what happened in Mexico, but she doesn't like talking about it. I haven't been to Mexico ever since.' And I don't want to start anything political. But California was part of Mexico, and there have been rumours that some people around Tijuana and Southern California have heard the wails of a woman. From Chirio Martinez. <laughs> weeks ago, I was lucky enough to be contacted by a man called Dale from America and he lives in Washington state. And he claimed that he has seen Bigfoot more than 12 times. So Dale and I had a telephone conversation and this is the gist of what he said to me. Dale is a bit like a modern-day cowboy. He lives on a farm in Washington State and he often goes horse-riding and hunting in the forest. One day he was out on his horse when he noticed something in the trees. He saw something that was covered in hair and when his eyes got used to looking, he saw some eyes they looked like they were trying to fit in with the tree. The remarkable thing about it was that the creature he could see behind the tree was as tall as he was on the horse. So it must have been about 11 foot tall, he thought. The eyes, he said, were round and yellow, And he could hear a voice in his head as it communicated with him and said, You can see me? So it was surprised that he could see him. He said he felt no threat, but decided to turn back. And halfway back, he turned round on his horse and it looked at him. And he said it followed him back through the trees, he and his horse walked along the road he said when he watched it move it seemed to float it wasn't going up and down but yet it traveled faster than him even through the forest and then went out of view dale said he continued home on his horse and the sun went down behind him then again he saw it ahead of him by a tree He said this time he could see the whites of its eyes. And he thought to himself in his head, Oh, there you are. He said it was dark brown, and he reckoned it must have been about 1,500 pounds or bigger. He couldn't smell anything from where he was. But he said he could see that the creature had tree bark in its hair. The time of year was in fall, in autumn. He said the hair was smooth and long. It was about 80 feet away from him. From where it was hiding, he couldn't see its ears or nose or the upper lip. But he could just see that it was very hairy and very large and very dark. The horse wasn't bothered at all by any of this and he felt that the creature could understand his thoughts. Two days before, he said he'd been by a bridge in the forest and heard a pop, pop, pop sound, which he'd at first attributed to a beaver, but then the more he thought about it, he thought it couldn't have been a beaver, as they only do that noise once or twice in the water. This time, the horse was scared. He said the sightings started in around nineteen sixty sixty nine and he told his friends and family and his mum at the time, but no one believed him. He said he's seen six he's seen the creatures six times, and he's had another six encounters which he attributed to Bigfoot. Apparently, he's also seen some tracks around the area. And he said that when the Bigfoot walk, he said from his experience they don't swing their arms like on the Patterson-Gimlin film. He said he's met Bob Gimlin and he told him and they had a conversation about the fact that he said the one that he saw didn't swim; swing its arms, it just kept its arms by its side. Unfortunately, Dale hasn't got any photos or recordings of his encounters because he's just been out on his horse in the forest, although he said he has some photos of the footprints. He said one time he was out on his horse with a female friend and he could smell something funny and in his head he asked for a sign Then they came across a track on the path. He's also been out with his daughter and found tracks. He said there were 16 to 18 inches in the sand on the track by the creek where he heard the popping beaver sounds. He said he'd been a little bit interested in Bigfoot before he had the encounters, but not very much. So, what do you make of that encounter? Or those encounters? Let me know. So, that's tonight's episode, my paranormal family friends. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, A little bit shorter than normal, but um, there we are. Some are long and some are short. Don't forget... If you've got some stories to share with me, which I really want people to send me stories so that I can share them on the podcast, send them to what podcast at outlook.com. That's what podcast at outlook.com. Otherwise, you can go to the Anchor website and send me your voice recordings of your stories. And you will send them to anchor.fm forward slash paranormal or what podcast forward slash message. Please don't forget to rate and review the po- podcast. My voice is going all over the place tonight. Rate and review the podcast. And um, please give us a five star review because in that way we can grow the podcast. Okay, well. I hope you have a lovely evening tonight and a fabulous week this week. And don't forget, next time, we're going to snuggle down with some spooky stories, a comfy chair and a tot of something fiery. Remember, together we can figure it out. Night.